Welcome to Career and Leadership Real Talk, the no-nonsense guide for ambitious managers who want to have more impact and progress their career. I'm Pamela Langan, a job search coach and expert CV writer specialising in helping frustrated professionals land the jobs and pay rises they know they deserve. And I'm Jackie Jagger, a leadership and mindset coach specialising in helping newly promoted and new to role leaders to avoid the dickhead trap and lead with confidence. Between us, we've helped hundreds of leaders and managers to find new roles, take ownership of their careers, and handle the challenges that job searches and leadership responsibility inevitably bring. And now we're joining forces to share with you what we know has worked for our clients. Hello and welcome to this week's episode. Today, we are talking about how to unlock the power of productive and engaging meetings, which is a follow-on from our episodes a few weeks back on how not to have shit meetings. So today we are going to home in on what you need to do in order to set up and run effective team meetings that your team actually want to come to and actually look forward to to going to as well. So we're going to get stuck in and give you all of our hints and tips. And I know Jackie has got some really good stories to share around this. This is something that, that's been coming up for your clients a lot lately, hasn't it? Yeah, this it's a really interesting one because the whole meeting culture, so many people have so many meetings and they've just got meeting fatigue. And I think particularly in the last few years with so many more remote meetings and kind of just so little downtime, I think there's that real fear that when you're running a team meeting, you just don't want it to be another one that you're like, you're conscious of how you find meetings and the fact that you come out of a meeting, there's 27 more emails that you've got to get to and you feel like you haven't got any time to do any actual work. So I think when you're planning a team meeting, there's that kind of pressure on your shoulders as a manager and leader where you, that you don't want that for your team, that you want to make your meetings ones that, like you say, they want to come to. And I think there's always that kind of like, oh, how do how do I go about that? And yeah, not long ago, I remember having a message from a client who'd picked up additional team members. So she was already leading a team and then they brought another function to sit underneath alongside. And there was that kind of question of, okay, and how often should I have team meetings? What should they be like? They've not been having team meetings, so they're going from kind of nothing to having something. How do I go about doing that and making it something that is not just going to be another burden for them to have on their shoulders, but something that's actually going to be useful, relevant, interesting, engaging? So, yeah, comes up a lot. Yeah, and it is a hard one, isn't it? Because you've always got that pressure, haven't you, as a, as a leader or manager? Like, how many times do I hold the team meeting? How how do we run it? And what do we include in it? How do we make sure we're not boring everybody? But how do we make sure that we get through everything that we need to we need to get through? And from our previous episodes, I absolutely loved your framework around the purpose outcomes and the process. I think that was a really useful way to think of how you run that team meeting and how you make sure that you get the most out of it so and we'll link to that episode in the show notes as well just so you can go back and listen to it because Jackie went into a lot of detail around around that process but I mean in terms of using that framework 
and thinking about that first element, which is the purpose, like what is the purpose of that meeting? There's so many different things that you could base that meeting on. I mean, how many different types of purposes could there be to make that meeting effective? And I think that's a really useful question because I think with team meetings, often there are multiple different types of purpose. And so then the question can become, well, actually, do we have one meeting? Do we have different meetings to serve each different purpose? And I think team meetings can often kind of span more than one. So I guess probably I would say there's about five or six different kind of broad categories that when I, if when I was planning a team meeting would be different elements, if you like, of the purpose of that meeting. So at a very basic level, there is status updates. So anything that as a team, you are projects that you're working on together or reporting updates more, more generally, kind of communication onward from senior team or other people within the business. So you can kind of categorize those, I guess, as status updates, I would see as being about the actual team updating each other on the status of things they're working on. But then very similar to that, but slightly different, you've got the information share, which is taking information from elsewhere in the business that needs to be shared. So I think those are probably the most kind of common ones. And they're also, ironically, the ones that it's very easy for them to become very staid and not engaging and just repetitive. You're you're smiling and nodding as I'm describing that. I have a feeling you've been in not very good team meetings for the purpose of status updates and information share. Yeah, I think with I think with status updates and that information sharing, there's a real danger that there's always that one or two people in the team who will just go on and on and on with their updates. And some of the the team meetings that I've run in the past, I would have like a stopwatch and give people five minutes or whatever it is to to update. But what are the the techniques that that you would use to make sure that people aren't running away with with that time and almost because I think sometimes people can use it as a real opportunity to 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 go through everything they're doing to to almost try and raise their profile. So it's like it's great that you can obviously use that to your advantage to a certain degree but you don't want to be seen to be that person who is taking over and really using up all of that precious time in the meeting just on you I think a big part of it is so with with status updates and information sharing I would say for for those types or those elements of team meetings having some real kind of clarity and structure around how that's going to be done can be really helpful because then like you say you can keep it on time you can keep it to topic you can create that equal share of the voice within the room where it's not just one person spending ages but actually there's real clarity so there's a book called death by meeting by patrick lencioni and we've referenced him in the past so he also has the five dysfunctions of a team and I remember reading that, oh God, dread to think how many years ago now, but that really identifies some really good solid structure around status update type meetings. So he talks about 
daily five minute meetings and weekly half hour meetings. And there's a, a real clarity around the structure that he gives there. But I would say really for, for those, it's about being really crystal clear. So like you said, if there's a set amount of time and it's also about setting the expectation, I think that people come prepared because because it can be repetitive. The temptation is that people come and they're just going to wing it and they kind of just talk then around what they've been doing as opposed to having real clarity about what do I actually need to update people on what is relevant and necessary for other people on the team to know and how can I do that so if you want people to come with a 60 second update with their top three bullet points then set that as an expectation and manage people to that expectation where you want them to have thought about it made clear what's relevant and why it's relevant as opposed to letting people kind of talk for longer or shorter or or what have you and I think if you establish that rhythm and routine then it becomes quite clear and then if somebody joins the team they can see that in action and so it just becomes very easy to manage to that expectation and I think that's probably the the biggest takeaway I would say for those types of meetings is find experiment to find how long for an update what kind of things do you expect people to update on do you want one slide with three bullet points do you just talk it aloud what preparation do you expect from them before have clarity around all of that make it the rhythm and routine find what works for your team and then create that so that it becomes a habit for everybody on the team to stick to that and be prepared to call out. So if somebody is going way over, like you said, if it's a stopwatch, it's a stopwatch and that's it. You've only got this amount of time. But I think by doing that, you really create that space where people know what's expected. They come, they deliver it. It's it's really not that complicated. And then you can get on with the other types of meeting that are generally far more engaging naturally. So I think some of the other things that you can really think about as purposes of a team meeting is to do things like making decisions. So are the things that you need to have multiple people's input or perspective or view on, or it can be about solving a problem. So is there a challenge that needs, again, multiple views that's going to benefit from more of that kind of engagement and interaction? And I think those types of meetings by their nature are often far more interesting. But again, it comes back to then how you run them because they can be really interesting, but they can also fall pretty flat. Uh, And I think that that's a good point actually as well, because those, I, I love those meetings where you can kind of get stuck into something and you can say, right, we've got this challenge or we need to make this decision or what are we going to do about a specific thing and you can all start getting into it you you do find that people still go off on a tangent don't they you know it's raining those people in so what techniques do you use to to rein those people in when because it, it really you can be having like that really nice discussion and everybody can be bouncing off each other and you can be getting some real good outcomes around the decision that you need to make but then there is always that one or two people who who do go off. So what what do you do to then rein them in? 
So I think a lot of it for me comes to the thinking of, so if I take, for example, where you need to make a decision, then if you've got that decision crystal clear, this is the decision we need to make. And then you can then be thinking about, okay, whose input do we need? What types of discussions might we have? So you can always use things like you can use smaller breakout groups. If you've got six or eight people, then what you can do is actually separate into smaller groups and get people to come up with ideas and then come back and share. You can ask everybody to share one idea and one idea only headline. There's there's lots of really simple things you can do. But I think a big part of it is having that culture within the team where it's normal to call out if somebody is going off tangent. And that's, it's about calling out the behavior rather than the person, if that makes sense. So, okay, yeah, that's a really interesting point, but actually in relation to this discussion or this decision, can we park that one and come back to it? Another thing I think people often do in the midst of kind of decision-making and what have you, is you'll see different different approaches from people with an introverted versus an extroverted preference. So introversion being generally, you do your thinking internally, you get your energy internally, and you will only then tend to express a view or an opinion or a judgment when you've kind of thought that through in your own head and come to it. Someone with more of an extroverted preference might find that a real challenge and actually just needs to talk around something aloud to get their idea out there while it's happening so that they can get to their conclusion. And I think having that understanding of each other's preferences within a team can make it easier to A, manage, because if who in your team tends to have an extroverted preference and who has an introverted preference and how strong that preference is, But also, if the team have that knowledge and understanding of each other, then what you can then do is structure your team meetings in such a way that you can bring both together. So as an example, with a decision-making meeting, if you've got a decision to make, introverts often will prefer to have that reflection time without extroverts giving all of their ideas. So by publishing an agenda in advance, publishing some discussion points in advance, they can kind of come prepared because they'd rather do that thinking outside of an environment where other people are talking. Or you can have X amount of time where you introduce the the decision that needs to be made within the session, and then you ask people to stay quiet for a period of time. And then you give that opportunity to each and every person to speak. So there's loads of different ways of managing it, but that kind of communication and understanding of each other's preferences within the team is really fundamental. And I remember again, not long ago, that was on a group coaching session of somebody just kind of looking going, oh yeah, I'm the extrovert. I'm the one that always jumps in. And someone else was like, yeah, I'm the introvert and I'm the one that always gets talked over. And there was that kind of, they, they weren't people that worked on the same team, but there was just almost that, oh yeah, realisation moment of how that had played out in all kinds of meetings, not just team meetings, but certainly when you're running a team meeting, you you can be aware of that and you can use that knowledge and understanding to your advantage to, to make sure that the meeting works 
for both. Yeah, I think that that's a really good way of of managing that as well, because especially from a development point of view for yourself and developing a high performing team as well, because if you are aware of the personality types within that team and how people are going to respond to different things, or you can almost preempt how they'll respond, it's it's so much easier to manage that discussion or whatever it is that you you need to achieve and I think once you are aware of it as well and it's not just about you being aware so how would you how would you do that actually to make sure that 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 all of the team are aware of their personality types and then when new people come in like how do how do they integrate them because I know you use the the emotional intelligence yeah so emotional intelligence probably less so so for for teams there's a couple of different tools that I quite like. So there are a number of free personality tests. And in a lot of organizations, they will use tools like Myers-Briggs, DISC, Insights, etc. And that, so that the thing I always say about personality is that your personality reflects your preferences and not your potential. So that for me can be a really useful kind of insight into your own preferences into other people's preferences into that preempting piece that you were talking about of how might they respond and actually this kind of brings me on to the kind of session if you like so another purpose of a team meeting can be about that kind of sense of building collaboration building understanding of each other and so you can run a team meeting that is specifically about understanding and sharing if you've used a personality profiling tool then actually that can be a really useful purpose of a team meeting is to gain that understanding of each other's preferences and personality profiling is one way but there's also an exercise that I really like and I've used with teams before which is handbooks so you basically each person answers the same questions about themselves and it's like your own user manual and so you'll answer questions like my my preference for if you want to get my attention do this if you want to make my day do this I prefer to work in this way so everybody will have a set of questions and then actually you can you can really have fun with that of sharing those and it it doesn't mean that I I remember somebody having a bit of a kind of reticence once with using that type of exercise of but don't you then just spend all your time like bending over backwards and it's not about that because everybody has their own preference it's not about you constantly bending over backwards to meet everybody else's preferences while they ignore yours it's about that sense of where do you connect where do you find that you've got the same preferences because Generally, we like people that are like us. So if we've got similar preferences, then that will generally make things easier. If we've got polar opposite preferences, that's where some friction can come up. So having that understanding can be really useful. And that's what that user handbook type exercise can do is to be a team meeting session in its own right, where you can then take that learning into other types of team meetings. Yeah, I think that's that's a really good one because if you can understand as the leader and then if the rest of the team can have access to those answers as well then you can a lot of the time within a team set up there's always different characters isn't there there's always the the person who's 
really quiet and the person who's really extrovert and then you've got a whole range of people in between and people have got different quirks and all the rest of it and then when you start understanding their personality types and their preferences that's where I I believe that you can start creating a high performing team because as you say it's not about bending over backwards to accommodate people but what it is about is understanding preferences so that you can bring everyone together in a way that's going to work. You're never going to make all of the people happy all of the time, but you can at least look at, well, what are the what are the majority or how can we support the people who, who sit just outside of that, of that majority? And I often found when we used exercises like that, so if I think back to the first time that I was part of a senior leadership team, when we used personality profiling and kind of built that understanding of our own and each other's preferences, one of the things that that did for me was I really valued. So there was one person that I was pretty much polar opposite. So we used Myers-Briggs at the time and I was pretty much polar opposite in terms of my preferences versus theirs. But what that did was we both valued what each other brought that we didn't naturally bring. So for example, on Myers-Briggs, my preference is perceiving rather than judging. So for those that are familiar with Myers-Briggs, what that means, for those that are not, essentially perceiving, it's kind of like you like flexibility, you like to be able to do things in your own way, at your own pace, less about kind of structure and routine and deadlines. People who have a preference for judging tend to be more structured, more organized, like to plan their work in advance and work to deadlines. So if I was just kind of left to run with my preference and didn't have someone as a counterpart who would bring some of that, then there's a danger that in a team discussion, then we might not ever get to the detail of a plan because I'm so invested in the ideas and enjoying all of that discussion that some of the practicalities and the detail of the timelines and steps and what have you just don't float my boat in the same way. So knowing that about ourselves and each other meant that we were able to value what each other brought and recognize that in each of us individually wouldn't have got the same result that together we were able to achieve. And that's the whole point of a team. Yeah. And I suppose when you get into the detail of that, that's the, that is the kind of what sits underneath creating those high performing teams, isn't it? I mean, in the past, I've worked with clients who've had teams of extroverts because that is all they recruited. They just recruited those extrovert personalities and they got them to do a whole range of different interviews to, to show that they were extroverted personalities. And then in a room, as you say, the, the ideas are bouncing, the banter's great, but how much action is actually taken because who is going to be the person who says, right, now we need to go from ideas to the plan and now we're going to deliver. But when you've got all of the same type of people in a team, you think, well, that will be easy because everyone will have the same preferences and we'll be able to charge forward and deliver. But in actual fact, if you've got a whole range of different personalities, you're going to achieve much more because everybody will have different preferences and different ways of working and we'll be able to then come together to not only discuss the ideas but deliver on the plan as well and when you do have a team that is kind of unbalanced in terms of lots of extroverts or lots of introverts this is where you do then need to understand 
what are those personality types that you can work with them and move the team forward to create that high performing team and to deliver on your objectives and just to, to make that real impact that you can make as a team while also making sure you've got that team harmony as well. Absolutely. And from your experience, what would you say have been the kind of differentiators between the team meetings where there's been kind of most productive, most engaged teams versus the ones that haven't had that? So I think with engaged, I think the, the team meetings that are engaged are the ones that have got the real clear structure and like you said before, the agenda before you go in. So I kind of, as a as a leader, I kind of see myself as being in the middle of that introvert and extrovert style. Like when I do personality tests, I generally come out higher on the introvert side than I do on the extrovert side. But in reality, I'm probably tipping more into the extrovert side. And I think now we know that people can. You're not one or the other. You can you, you can move between those styles depending on the situation that you're in. So I think for me, the ideal meeting is where we get the agenda in advance so that I can think about what what are we going to be talking about? Is there anything I need to prepare for? Is there anything I need to research in advance? And then obviously once you get into the meeting, it is those meetings that follow that agenda, that go through each section, where the time is spaced, everybody is on the same page in terms of we've got X amount of time for this section or you've got X amount of time to deliver your update and then we're going to move on. And I like the meetings that move at pace, but the ones where you can also have those really nice discussions as well. And also the meetings where everyone's included. So regardless of your personality style or your preference, you get to provide some input if you've got something to input. You're, just because you don't shout the loudest doesn't mean that you don't get to have your input. Those meetings where the chair is able to go around the table and find out what everyone's input is rather than just the people who shout the loudest get to have their say and then we're out of time so we move on to the next section. And one thing that can really like a really simple thing that can help with that actually is to allocate roles. So when you're having a discussion, for example, to make a decision or to solve a problem, you can pick like maybe one or two people in the room and you can allocate them the role of devil's advocate. And that can be quite a fun way to say, right, okay, actually, we're not just going to if, we, if we're having a discussion and we're even at pace, we're not just going to fall into it. We're going to ask a couple of people to take on that, that role of asking some of the thought-provoking questions, of maybe offering different perspectives, of asking us to think of alternatives before we commit to a decision or a solution. And often then, because people have got that kind of role or responsibility, they're having to then think about, okay, how could I see a different perspective? And you, you're kind of priming people and also you're making it okay. Though it's in a lot of meetings, I think when they're not productive or engaging, there's, it's because there's not that kind of sense of psychological safety there for people to disagree. So then if everybody just agrees and kind of moves along just for the sake of getting 
to, to the end of the agenda in time or because they don't feel comfortable to kind of speak up and disagree or because they're being talked over, then what can happen is that actually there's this kind of consensus that happens really quickly Whereas if you give someone that role that says, do you know what, you need to come up with different perspectives or you need to basically stop us just hammer into a consensus just for the sake of getting there. But I think the timing piece as well is also really important. And I think discussions often take way longer than you think they might. Productive discussions, I'm talking. So discussions where you're going to kind of consider different avenues, different ideas before you get to a conclusion. And I think sometimes people stuff an agenda with so many different things that they're trying to get from it, that then there isn't enough time for good quality discussion and debate. So even if people do feel okay to disagree and they do are prepared to challenge each other there just isn't the time because you you literally falling off the the back of the agenda timings as soon as you go into it so I think that would be another thing I would say is give give enough breathing space when you want to make a decision or you want to solve a problem give that breathing space and let it have the opportunity for proper debate and the more people you've got in the room the longer that is going to take. But actually, if it gets you to the right decision or a better decision or to a more conclusive plan, then the benefit of that afterwards is well worth the additional half hour or 45 minutes or whatever it is that you need to allocate to it. Yeah, I think that's a great tip. And also as well within that meeting, so if you don't allocate enough time, would you advise creating a separate meeting so saying right okay we we need to, it's clear we need to discuss this in more detail we'll set up a separate meeting or would you say try and contain it within the team meeting I think it depends I think if we go back to what we said on the, the last episode so purpose outcomes process I think sometimes things are brought to team meetings that don't necessarily need everybody to be there and so sometimes the right thing isn't necessarily for it to be a team meeting, or it might be that there's a kind of a high level initial discussion to be had where everybody's voice needs to be heard. But then actually the nitty gritty is maybe a subsection or it needs other stakeholders from elsewhere in the business. And so I think it's that judgment call on understanding who actually needs to be involved in this and equally for other people that are kind of party to those kind of decisions and discussions. There are people who are really free and easy and love to kind of contribute to all kinds of discussions. But if it's not relevant, then actually, or not not relevant, but if for them, their input is not necessary, then using that time and space for that can be counterproductive because you can give them an opportunity to input and the implication being that their input is valued and is going to be considered and taken on board. But if that isn't relevant, if they're not, their input isn't going to be considered, then should it have been an info share or a status update type meeting rather than treating it as decision making? So I think it's that judgment call of who needs to be there. And yes, to, to come back to your question, very often I think there'll be some discussion needed with everybody but then 
for the purposes of actually moving something on, moving a project on, making a final decision, creating a plan of action, that's often not necessarily needing everybody in the team to be there for that stage. And so often it's more productive to say, right, okay, actually, okay, you two, you've heard the discussion. These are the bits that we've, the big picture bits that have been decided. Now, can you go off and then come back next time with a status update, giving us the outline of the plan? Or can you share when you've created that? Yeah, and I think that, again, they're really great tips. And I suppose that goes back to your framework with the purpose, outcomes and process, because as the the chair, whether you are the team leader or whether you are just chairing the meeting on behalf of the team leader, I suppose what you really need to think about is the is the purpose. And if everything on that agenda is relevant to the purpose of that meeting, because there is that real temptation, isn't there, just to cram everything on because we don't get together often as a team and we haven't got much time as a team. So let's just get everything crammed in. And I suppose in in the sense of productive and engaging team meetings, it is about nailing that purpose so that you haven't got too much on the agenda so that the purpose is really clear. We know what outcome we want to achieve from this meeting. And if it is to include some of the, the decisions that need to be made and have a high level discussion and then take it offline or whatever you need to do, it is, it is about having control of that meeting and really thinking about that purpose. So I suppose, would you say that preparation is really key for productive and engaging meetings? Yes, I think it is to a degree, but I think also sometimes people can over-prepare in the sense of almost then there isn't the free-flowing discussion. So I think preparation at that level of really understanding the purpose and deciding who needs to be there, what agenda items. But I think one thing that I would say that is often a bit of a surprise tip, if you like, is don't always feel like you've got to run the meeting. I think people often feel this kind of burden of I've got to do all the preparation, I've got to run the meeting, I've got to be the timekeeper, I've got to do everything. And sometimes, depending upon what what the meeting needs to be. So when I was a part of a team, we often decided the agenda between ourselves. So we had different work streams within the business. We would often think about, okay, which other stakeholders do we need an update from? Let's invite those people. And our boss at the time basically had very little to do with the agenda. And we ran with it and we created team meetings that gave us the information on what we needed to do in order to do our own roles. We shared information on what we'd been working on under our kind of specialist areas, if you like. And we invited other stakeholders to to give their updates. And our boss literally had no work to do in terms of preparation because he knew that we had that covered and likewise I've also facilitated so when I was ahead of training and L&D my HR director would often get me to facilitate kind of quarterly planning sessions or like when we did the the team handbooks exercise when we were kind of bringing a new team together because that was something that she knew was something that was a strength of mine, something that I enjoyed and something that I could contribute. So I really enjoyed doing it. And again, it took the pressure off her. So I think as a, as a leader and manager, 
sometimes you can stretch and grow and develop your team by getting them to think about what would be productive and suggest how can they get more of that and you can ease the pressure on yourself at the same time win-win that is definitely a win-win so what would you say then that your top tips are so i think variation i would say is key so i think the information sharing and the updates need more structure more kind of rigidity if you like so that there is real structure and clarity around those types but for the other types of team meeting I feel like variation based on what that purpose is so think about who needs to be in the room think about whether it needs to be in person or remote think about who can run that best whether that's you or whether that's somebody else and I would say as well think about that element of kind of giving people those different roles because I think often if you're chairing a meeting you do try and do everything you'll try and be the one who is making sure everyone's on time you'll be the one who's making sure that the agenda all of that stuff whereas if you can give somebody else some of those responsibilities it just eases things and and frees up so yeah I think just it, it really comes back to what we've talked about all the way through of make sure that you come back to your purpose first build your meeting off the back of that and then from there so thanks for listening to this week's episode as usual if there's anything that you would like us to cover then please drop us a dm and let us know And if you think this episode would be useful for anyone, then please do share it with them. And we'll be back next week with another episode.